0: The trade block is hot. Who's being moved and who is not? Let's go to the booth for review.
1: Welcome to the Challenge Flag Podcast, where we put your fantasy season under review. Week 7 is in the books Blake, and this one had a lot going on with it. We had... A lot of studs go down with injuries. We had a couple of interesting trades. Is there anything noteworthy that you wanted to bring up real quick?
0: Yeah, RJ. One of the main things that I think we should take away from week seven is that no fantasy starter is safe from injury. No matter how much of a breakout they look to be or how good they look like they're going to be producing for you rest of season, there's no guarantee that the production on your roster will stay there. So looking at guys like... Brees Hall for example that was someone that people had pegged as a breakout candidate and then when we finally saw him break out all of a sudden that production's gone for for the rest of the season for Brees Hall on your roster because he goes down to a tragic injury. He's not the only one of course we've seen a couple of injuries throughout the season but this really does feel like it's kind of the the worst week for it. Another thing to point out is with the NFL trade market being more active than usual this year it seems to be affecting a lot of fantasy football players you look at the situation in carolina san francisco jacksonville all of these backfields that we thought we knew all of the established roles of players like travis Etienne or jeff wilson all of a sudden those roles flip now jeff wilson who looked like he was going to be a viable starter at least until elijah mitchell came back he's no longer playable you have guys like travis Etienne who people were hoping maybe he'd have a second half breakout get more of the workload all of a sudden he might have the entire backfield to himself so it's just crazy to see how much the fantasy landscape can change in the course of a week
1: yeah gotta feel bad for guys like Brees Hall It reminds me a lot of what happened to Javante Williams this season but it was like step forward for where it was with Javante we were waiting for the Javante breakout and we got the Brees Hall breakout it was there and then just as you know, as devastating, if not more, than Javante, torn ACL, done for the year. But we won't spend too much time looking at this situation right now. Instead, we're going to go ahead and roll into our studs and duds of the week. So I'll go ahead and kick us off. And I got to go with my stud of the week being Josh Jacobs. Jacobs rolled into a date with the Houston Texans on an absolute heater. He was coming off of a bye week and had just put up two straight 30-plus point performances. Well, why not make it three straight? Jacobs carried the ball 20 times on Sunday for 143 yards, which is a whopping 7.15 yards per carry, and he scored three touchdowns. When you factor in his receiving work, that stat line rewarded fantasy owners with a 36.5 points outing and the RB2 finish for the week. Jacobs is surely a must-start fantasy asset moving forward. Now, with a guy like Josh Jacobs, we don't always expect that type of performance. He's been looking really good. But one guy who we do expect this type of performance from who has looked pretty bad in recent weeks and is my dead of the week is Lamar Jackson. So it was only a few weeks back when we were very nearly declaring Lamar Jackson as the fantasy MVP of the 2022 season. Through the first weeks of the year, Jackson had topped the 38-point threshold not just once, but twice. It has been tough sledding for Lamar since then as he's put up fairly pedestrian performances, only topping 15 points once in the last four weeks. The worst of those performances surely came this past Sunday when Lamar attempted only 16 passes, completing only 10 of them for 120 yards. Of course, his rushing usage produced an extra 5.9 points for fantasy managers, but this was surely a continuance of disappointing weeks for Jackson. Don't panic too much on him, though. It's only a matter of time before Jackson's talent begins to shine through and begins winning you weeks once again. Like, who are your studs and duds for the week?
0: Yeah, my stud of the week is a receiver who we thought may have just been dead as a top five fantasy receiver through the first five weeks of the season. But he's put up his second week of a 30-point performance, and that's Jamar Chase for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase has scored two touchdowns in each of the last two weeks, so he continued his dominant week six, again in week seven, going eight receptions on 11 targets for 130 yards and two touchdowns. He's capitalizing on a string of very, very good matchups, and that will look to continue this week against Cleveland, who's currently only ranked as the 16th fantasy defense against receivers. Not to mention Joe Burrow is finally catching fire, He's thrown for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns in each of the last two games. And if there's anyone that you want your wide receiver tied to when they're on a hot streak, it's Joe Shiesty himself. He's looking for this dominant performance to continue. And as long as Joe stays icy and the DBs refuse to tackle Jamar Chase, you can expect him to stay in the top 10 range. My dud of the week is a receiver that I staked my good name on. Well, I don't know if I can call it a good name anymore because that's Romeo Dobbs. He was my play of the week, and I have to be honest with you. I have no words. I don't have any excuses. Uh, Romeo Dobbs just straight up was not good. If I'm being honest with you, he might be droppable. He had zero points this week, but that's not because he didn't play. It's not because he went down to injury. He had four targets and you can just drop him like he's dropped every single pass that Aaron Rodgers has thrown his way in the past couple of weeks. I think he might be the reason that Aaron Rodgers retires, and if I'm being honest with you, I can't blame Aaron Rodgers for that. Go ahead and either drop Romeo Dobbs or write his name down in your burn book, just like Aaron Rodgers. This week, if you had a guy like Romeo Dobbs, for example, and you need to pick someone else up, you can go try to play the waiver wire, but especially at positions like the wide receiver position, it's a little bit dried up at this point. So we'll look at some of the players that are being traded most across fantasy football leagues this year to see who might be a good target and who fantasy owners are more willing to let go versus who they're more willing to hold on to. So RJ, I went ahead and grabbed a list from CBS Sports that talks about the most traded fantasy football players in CBS leagues So I understand that some people play ESPN, some people play Sleeper, you have best ball leagues like Underdog, of course, but this is the best list I could find as far as the number of transactions that each of these players has seen over the course of the season. And we're going to go ahead and break down each of the position groups, seeing who's most traded, in what positions see if we can break down some trends and talk about some potential trade scenarios for the players that are being brought up most across fantasy football this year. So I'm going to do a rundown of the overall top 10 most traded players in fantasy football, and I think you'll pick up on a trend very, very quickly. The number one most traded player in fantasy football, RJ, do you have any guess?
1: In all of fantasy football? Oh gosh, I don't even have a cheat sheet here has provided me with positional groups but he hasn't provided me with like the actual list so this is a true guess and i'm going to go with a guy who has been injured for a lot of this year and is coming back and maybe some people are capitalizing on hypes maybe some people are seeing it as their buy low opportunity and i'm going to go with dak prescott
0: that's pretty close it's the guy who stands right next to dak prescott and it's ezekiel elliott running back for the dallas cowboys So Zeke comes in at the number one player trade most across fantasy football. I think a quarterback would have been a good guess. But here's numbers two through 10 of the most traded players in all fantasy football, regardless of position. See if you can pick up on the trend. Number two, Najee Harris. Number three, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Number four, Brian Robinson Jr. Number five, James Robinson. Number six, Jonathan Taylor number 7, Travis Etienne, number 8, Jeff Wilson, number 9, Darrell Henderson, and number 10, Kareem Hunt. You notice anything a little suspect about that list?
1: I I do, and what is really funny about this is I actually do have this list in front of me, and I assumed that this was just the running back list, but this is truly the overall list. This This is the actual list of the guys who are being traded right now, and that's wild. They're all running backs.
0: Yeah, so it was actually numbers 1 through 11 were all running backs before we finally moved on to a different position, which was the wide receiver position and not the quarterback or tight end positions. So with receivers not even cracking the top 10 most trade fantasy players, let's take a look at some of the running back names that are being traded really, really frequently given maybe some recent news that we've gotten over the past week. I don't really want to start with guys like Zeke or Najee Harris. We know what they are. We know what their role is and what their team looks like moving forward. The first name I really want to bring up is James Robinson, who is the running back for the New York Jets. Wouldn't have thought that that was going to be the case a week ago. But James Robinson is currently the running back 37 on the season in terms of points per game for games played. With a lot of people moving James Robinson, buying, selling, Just based on his new situation in New York, if you had to be involved in any kind of transaction that involved Robinson, which side would you want to be on? Would you want to be on the receiving end or would you want to be trading him away?
1: I would want to be on the receiving end right now for Robinson. I think that if you're an owner of Robinson, he is a firm hold right now. You are probably thinking about dropping him after the zero point output he had last week. But with him moving to the Jets, we don't really know what that situation is going to look like. Now, if you're a seller, you could spin it that he's going to step into the Brees Hall role and that that's going to increase his value moving forward. But if you truly believe that, you should wait and see it. Because right now, you probably are not going to get quite as good of a return than if Robinson steps into that role, gives you a 20 plus point week. Then yeah, you absolutely you can sell right then and there, get the Brees Hall value, and you're good to go. But for right now, I'd want to go acquire Robinson on that possibility of him stepping into that role and potentially getting him a little bit cheaper rather than trying to sell him right now when his value is not peaked. Now, it is higher than it was going into the week, but it's still not as high as it could be if he does have a monster performance for the Jets either this week or after learning the playbook in another week.
0: I think it's pretty interesting that we see James Robinson on this list, obviously given a new role in New York, it's pretty common that someone would be getting traded between a bunch of teams. Some guys taking a chance on him. Some guys not wanting to invest in some someone that might be seen as more of a risk. Why do you think we don't see Michael Carter on this list?
1: I think the assumption is that Michael Carter is going to maintain his role that he had with Brees Hall. And so at that point, it's, it's a known commodity, right? We're not really given a lot to go sell Carter on. It's just hey, he's the change of pace back. He gets a little bit of receiving work. He's probably going to average somewhere between six and eight points a week. Not someone you really are looking to acquire because that upside generally isn't there. I think most people are assuming that Robinson was was brought in because he has that home run threat that we saw from Brees Hall breaking off those long touchdowns. And with Robinson's history, he, he very well is probably going to be the early down back, and he's probably going to get the goal line carries, which is what was keeping Carter's value afloat in the first place. I think it's just a a general upside versus known commodity kind of conversation.
0: Let's shift focus away from the situation that James Robinson is jumping into. Let's look at the situation that James Robinson is currently leaving behind in Jacksonville. Travis Etienne is the seventh player on the most traded players list, and he comes in at running back 27 on the year so far in terms of points per game. Travis Etienne, I assume, is someone that you're going to want to be on the receiving end for with his new workhorse role. However, do you think people might be getting a little bit overzealous? Do you think that there's some merit to trading away Travis Etienne, given his new workhorse role in Jacksonville?
1: I actually do. I think there's a lot of merit to trading him away because I really think the hype right now is at an all-time high for Etienne. It's very similar to where people were drafting him because they were like, oh, he's going to be the workhorse role. He's going to be that. Let's draft him in the fourth round, right? Well, if you're drafting the guy in the fourth round, you're not really expecting him to be a Jonathan Taylor, a Saquon Barkley, like those high upside players. Instead, you're looking at someone who's a little bit lower upside. And that's what we saw last week. I mean, I said it earlier, Robinson had zero points. He had zero carries last week. What did that translate to for ETN? He produced 18.90 fantasy points, I believe, and which is a good performance. Like That's great, but it wasn't earth-shattering. It was a solid performance from him, and they didn't give him too many touches. He was just involved all around, but they Jacksonville doesn't really look like a team that wants to commit to running the ball 20, 25 times a game, so I think that's the difference here. And if you can go get someone to buy ETN for top 10 running back value, then sell him. That's great. But I think in my expectations, I'm thinking he's probably more of an RB2, probably slots in at about that RB14, 15 range. So still a good player, a good asset, but not probably as high as you might be able to sell him right now.
0: So you mentioned being able to trade him for a top 10 fantasy running back, do you think that's reasonable or what would you kind of expect in return for a trade involving Travis Etienne?
1: If you can find someone that's an Etienne believer, I think you can get that value for him. I do because he's got the home run threat. He has looked great in his limited opportunities this year. I really do think you could probably sell him for top 10 value. I personally am, am just not interested in that because as we talk about so much, it's about volume in fantasy football, and yes, he's the sole person in that backfield, but like I said, Jacksonville just hasn't really shown too much commitment to running the ball 20 times a game. The only time I believe we've seen that was when, I think it was, was it against Tennessee when in week two when Robinson had 20-ish carries, and that was just because they were running the clock out. And what we've seen in recent weeks is that Jacksonville's just... Still not a good football team, and the amount of times they're going to be in that situation is probably going to be limited moving forward. So for me personally, I'm not looking for that, but I think there are people out there who can, and I think this is the time to go do it, because if we go through another week of what we had last week where Etienne has like 11 touches, 15 touches or something like that, I think your window to sell him that high is going to slam shut.
0: Talking about a guy that you can capitalize on trading away right now. Let's talk about a guy that you might be able to capitalize on trading for right now. And that's the 10th most traded fantasy football player, Kareem Hunt, running back for the Cleveland Browns as of right now. However, you and I both know there are a lot of rumors about Kareem Hunt potentially getting traded as Cleveland's not utilizing him as much as they have in the past. He's not really a needed commodity there. But you have teams like the Los Angeles Rams, who may have been in the Christian McCaffrey sweepstakes that missed out, who are currently relying on running backs that are not delivering the kind of production they'd like. So is Kareem Hunt someone that should be getting traded as frequently as he is, given the trade rumors? Or is it someone that fantasy managers should be way more hesitant about trading for?
1: These are a perfect example of three different guys to pick from to talk about here because they're all similar, but a little bit different right? So he's very similar to Robinson, where if you're going to acquire him, you're hoping that it's a new situation that gives him more opportunities. We've obviously seen that already happen for Robinson. He's been traded. So it makes sense there. It's, it's the opportunities there. He's been traded. Well, with Hunt, he may not be. I feel like every single year we talk about how Hunt might get traded and he never does. So if it, this is the year, sure, go acquire him. He probably is not that expensive. So it, it can't hurt to go get the guy. And he has put up some respectable performances so far this year. So it's not a bad acquisition, but we just don't know. And the destination you mentioned, the Rams, I don't even know if I would want him going to the Rams, right? That offensive line has been so so bad and Matthew Stafford has not really shown a propensity to target the running back position, so it's not like the receiving work's going to be super strong there. I think at that point it's probably a little bit more increased value. So yeah, maybe you do increase your your trade asset there, but overall Kareem Hunt is not someone I really have an eye on right now. I think he's more of an end-of-the-bench kind of player. He's a plug-and-play every once in a while. If you can get more value for him as a seller, then it's not a bad idea. But I probably err towards being more of where I was on Robinson, where I'm like, if I'm a Kareem Hunt owner, I'm going to hold him for right now. If the trade news breaks, that's probably your best opportunity to get maximum value
0: for him. So if you are currently a Kareem Hunt manager and someone comes and offers you a trade, at what point are you saying that value is too good, I can't pass up on it? I think given his current production, a pretty reasonable trade for people to approach you with might be someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster or a George Pickens, kind of a, a middling wide receiver three that you can plug into your flex and play every week, which Kareem Hunt has not been that kind of guy. Are you looking to, to trade away Kareem Hunt for that kind of value? Or are you holding Kareem Hunt in hopes of a, an actual trade in the NFL?
1: I think we've seen some good stuff from Juju in the past few weeks to the point where I think I would make that trade. Pickens, again, we've seen some good upside things there. I'm a little bit more shaky with the fact that Kenny Pickett is still young and he's who Pickens is depending on there. So maybe not that one. But if I'm in need of a receiver, I mean, that's what it comes down to. If you're sitting there going, my receiver core is pretty bland, it lacks upside, I have Kareem Hunt, I have decent running back depth, then why not? Go see if Juju Smith-Schuster's past couple weeks of being dominant is going to persist. Maybe that fixes that problem for you. Maybe Pickens continues this consistency with Pickens. So absolutely, if, if that's an area of need for you, I think I would make that trade.
0: But I think we can both agree, no matter what, Kareem Hunt is not the kind of player that you can go and shop him out to other players right now. But there's a good chance that other fantasy managers will come and approach you about him. Right.
1: Let's wait for maybe some trade news to break. If that breaks, then yeah, go go put your seller's hat on and see what you can
0: get. Moving out of the top 10 overall most traded players and going into some other positions beyond the running back position... Let's take a look at the top five most traded wide receivers. You have Chris Godwin coming in as the most traded wide receiver. He is the wide receiver 36 on the season. You have DeAndre Hopkins as the second most traded wide receiver. He's the wide receiver five on the season in terms of points per game. Now, keep in mind with both of those guys that there's been a bunch of injuries. So very small sample size for these players. Keenan Allen comes in as the third most trade fantasy receiver, wide receiver 82 on the season. Same story, limited sample size due to injury. DJ Moore, the wide receiver 50. And Terry McLaurin is the fifth most trade fantasy receiver at wide receiver 33. So before we move beyond the running back position, I just want to take a look at some trends regarding the running backs that are being traded across fantasy football. All of the top 10 traded running backs right now are outside of the running back one or running back two range in terms of points per game this season, with one exception, and that's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's currently the running back 20. So there's not a lot of high-end fantasy running backs that are being traded. Obviously, we talked about some guys with clear upside, but really no one with proven upside is being traded. Obviously, that top 10 list still includes guys who are injured. Brees Hall was being traded a lot at the beginning of the season, so he's on that list. But something else noteworthy is that there's not a single top 5 running back in terms of points per game within the top 30 most traded running backs. Josh Jacobs, who is currently the running back 2 on the season in terms of points per game played, is the 31st most traded running back in all of fantasy football. So it looks like there aren't any really high-end running back ones that are being traded away. Is this something you'd expect, or is this kind of concerning to see?
1: It makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because we talk about it all the time, running back scarcity, right? It's hard to get consistent and good running backs, especially with the league turning more pass happy at each and every year. So what happens here is that you have these guys who establish themselves as studs, and the people that own them don't want to give them up. That's why they aren't being traded. But why you see that top 11 list being only running backs, and generally it's running backs who have the potential for more upside, is because people are searching for those studs. And so that's what I see in those trends, is that you're not trading the guys that are established because they're impossible to get a hold of, people want too much capital for them, versus the guys that are all being traded because they have the potential to jump into that top 10.
0: So if you have one of those top 10 running backs on your team, what kind of situation would you have to be in to be willing to trade away one of those top 10 guys, and what would you have to get in return?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. I am a great person to ask about this right now. I have literally been trying to trade Joe Mixon all day. Joe Mixon does technically, I believe, slot in as the RB11 right now in PPR, and I am in the position where I am currently 1-6 in our league, like you know this and am dealing with the news that Mike Williams is going to be out for probably four weeks, and I need to obviously do some sort of shakeup to try to get back on track and potentially try to save my season. So what have I been looking for? I've been trying to get a decent RB2 in return with a position of need, whether that be a new super flex, whether that be a wide receiver 2, whatever it might be, I think the, the most attractive option I've had is if you can find one of those guys that maybe is going to be in that RB 12 to 14 range. So it's, you know, a, a middle RB2 versus a guy like Mixon who I perceive to have top 5 upside just because what we've seen from Mixon so far this year is super consistency but not necessarily like an explosion of a game where he goes off like Jacobs has the last few weeks. So in my mind, that's what I've been looking for, whether that's a guy like ETN, whether that's a guy like Aaron Jones. These are all names that I've been, you know, talking with people into trade talks about. So that's kind of what I'm looking I'm kind of looking at like a minor downgrade at RB plus an upgrade at another position.
0: And obviously there's a lot of value in positions outside of the running back position as well. So it it's still kind of hard to trade for those wide receiver one and wide receiver twos. Let's go ahead and take a look at which wide receivers are being traded pretty frequently throughout fantasy football. We'll cover the top five based off the CBS list. The number one receiver on that list is Chris Godwin. Number two is DeAndre Hopkins. Number three is Keenan Allen. Number four, DJ Moore. And number five, Terry McLaurin. It's worth noting that the top three receivers on this list, Godwin, DeHop, and Allen, have all suffered from injuries. So there's a very small sample size for these players. Then you have guys like DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin. DJ Moore's situation has obviously changed very dramatically in the last couple of weeks and Terry McLaurin has been riding the quarterback carousel, so I can understand why he might be getting traded pretty frequently. The name I really want to bring up first and foremost here is DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, he had been suspended for the first few weeks of the season, and he comes back and puts up a very solid fantasy point performance. However, he accumulated a lot of those points towards the end of the game he had a very lackluster first half a lot of people are probably trading away deandre hopkins on the high fantasy output that he produced within that first game some of them probably traded away deandre hopkins while he was on suspension because they needed immediate production to get wins for their fantasy season if you're currently rostering deandre hopkins after his first week back are you looking to move him off of that good performance against New Orleans, or are you looking to hold him in hopes that he returns that top 10 fantasy receiver that he was before?
1: If you held DeAndre Hopkins through his suspension, and then he comes back and he has this huge game that he did, this is probably the best time to sell him because you've waited. He hasn't really provided a lot of, of value to your team outside of this week. People are probably going crazy. Old D Hop is back. This man is ready to go. He hasn't played. He's fresh. He's healthy. You can probably get some pretty good value back for DeAndre Hopkins. And if you drafted him, you probably didn't pay a super premium pick for him. I think he was probably going to like round seven or round eight, something like that. And you probably didn't sacrifice a lot of cost to go get him. So it's unless you've had you've just been decimated by injuries, maybe you had Metcalf go down and Mike Williams go down this week, whatever it may be if you're in that situation, you need him, hold him. Yeah, I think he's going to provide pretty good value going forward, especially with Marquise Brown being out. But if you don't need him and you need a running back or you need a tight end or you need a quarterback, like this is probably one of the best times to go sell him and to really strengthen your team. I owned D-Hop last year. He is An incredible receiver he's really really good he is getting up there in age though and my main concern with him would be a potential hamstring injury that really knocks him out for the rest of the year whatever it is so if I can go get a younger talent that is more dependable yeah let's do it but if you need a receiver I think he'll be fine and if he can can keep the injury bug away like he's going to produce for that Arizona Cardinals offense we saw Marquise do it through the first few weeks of the season
0: If you're struggling at running back and you're looking to make a trade for that position, are you satisfied if you're able to turn DeAndre Hopkins into a middling running back two, or are you going to want more in return given the fact that he had 10 receptions on 14 targets and Marquise Brown is not currently there in Arizona?
1: It's a tough one because the the notion of an RB2 kind of has a negative connotation in your mind. I really do think I see DeHop as having like, Wide receiver one upside if he can stay healthy. So, with that in mind, I'm like, well, if I'm going to do that, let's go get an RB2 that's got really good upside, right? So, maybe a guy like Aaron Jones, who you own, Blake. That would be a pretty good target for me because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I need, you know, need running back. Aaron Jones has that home run value where he can win you a week week in and week out, but maybe he doesn't have consistency. So maybe that puts him more in that RB2 range because he's going to have some dud weeks. He's going to have some great weeks. So if I need a running back, that's the maybe the caliber of player I would target. Maybe even, even ETN because ETM might be a, a very similar story there. So I, I think that's the, the value of guys I'd be looking for for a D-hop.
0: A different receiver, currently number four on the most trade. Fantasy receivers list is DJ Moore. He has a very, very different situation to DeAndre Hopkins. He's currently played the full season and is the wide receiver 50 on the year in Carolina in terms of points per game. He's going through a quarterback change or two or three or four by the end of the season. Who knows what DJ Moore is going to look like? But He finally looked like the receiver that people have kind of been projecting him to be for the past few years. Very small sample size, one week, produced 19 fantasy points. Is that someone that you want to be on the trade away end or the trade for end?
1: I imagine that DJ Moore's presence on this list is because people are trying to trade him away. If you drafted DJ Moore, he has been just an absolute disappointment so far this year and you have been waiting for something to get value for him because you had to pay a pretty premium pick for him. So he has this great week. It was really like an aberration across the entire Carolina Panthers team. They went and knocked off the Bucks, who no one thought they could do. Both of their running backs, Deontay Foreman and Chua Hubbard had great games. P.J. Walker looked good. And P.J. Walker even earned the ability to continue to start. But I I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't know if they're going to turn the keys back over to Sam Darnold. I don't know if they're going to turn the keys back over to Baker Mayfield. It just screams headache to me. And yes, it was a good week with PJ Walker. Maybe that continues. I think PJ Walker has been good for DJ Moore in the past, but I don't know if I can rely on him to start week in and week out. So that makes me a little bit lower on DJ Moore. I think if I'm a DJ Moore owner, I'm sending him... I'm trying to get any value I can for him right now because I'd just rather not have the headache for the rest of the year.
0: So some trends in this most traded receiver list. There is not a wide receiver one or wide receiver two on the most traded fantasy receivers list until the number seven spot. That's, of course, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, who we're excluding due to a small sample size. And the receiver that comes in at the number seven spot is Michael Pittman who is currently the wide receiver 13 on the year. The first wide receiver one to appear on the wide receiver trading list, again outside of DeAndre Hopkins, is Devontae Adams at the wide receiver number 18 on that list. He is currently the wide receiver seven on the year in terms of points per game played. It seems that people are not as stingy with their top 10, top 20 range wide receivers as they are running backs given the fact that they're appearing much higher on this list than the running back 30 spot for Josh Jacobs on the running back list. Would you be more willing to move your wide receiver one or wide receiver two compared to a running back one, running back two?
1: I think so. I think this is, again, it comes back to positional value and positional scarcity. The reason why you might be willing to move on from your wide receiver one or wide receiver two is you can probably find two or three guys who you could start And get pretty good value out of right if i've got a guy home run hitter a guy that's going to get me 20 plus points a game from the running back position a saquon barkley this year okay to trade him away and try to get two players back that can replicate some of that is going to be tough just because there are very few running backs who can produce consistently but if i do have cooper cup and i can liquidate cooper cup into like two or three really decent wide receivers then maybe that doesn't hurt me as badly because I'm getting a. There's a lot of guys out there that I can go get. Now those are obviously the two extremes. You've got the running back one and the wide receiver one, and Cooper Cup is honestly crazy. So maybe he's a, a bad example. But my point being that there are just a lot more wide receivers who can produce solid numbers than there are with running backs.
0: Would you say it's pretty fair to value the top 5 wide receivers pretty similarly to the top 10 running backs and then you could extend that per a little bit further where you value the top 10 wide receivers similar to the top 20 running backs or is it not really scaled the way that I'm implying here?
1: I don't know if I would draw the line on it with with like top 5, top 10. I think it's just the type of player that you see and like, when I look at the wide receivers, I, in my mind, it's really the top two guys. It's Cooper Cup and it's Justin Jefferson, right? These are guys who are just freaks of nature, command ridiculous target shares, have the ability to... I mean, honestly, honestly for this year, I'm going to throw Ty, Tyreek Hill in there, too. So I'll, I'll say those three guys. Those guys can literally put up 40 points in a given week, win you the week, and then go out next week and put up 20 and 20 and 20, and like that production is so hard to replicate that those three guys I would really put in that realm of probably your top five running backs. So it's not like a perfect like five to ten or like ten to twenty, but there is patterns like that in there, I would say.
0: Those are usually the two positions of most note when it comes to making trades in fantasy football. The quarterback and tight end positions, especially if you're in a single quarterback league and you're not in a tight end premium league, They're usually kind of throw-ins for completing trades for bigger names in the running back or wide receiver rooms, but we'll go ahead and take a look at them anyways. We'll take a look at the quarterback position first. The top five quarterbacks that are currently being traded in fantasy football are number one, Dak Prescott, who you mentioned earlier, number two, Geno Smith, who's currently the quarterback seven on the year in terms of points per game played number three, Aaron Rodgers, number four, Kirk Cousins, number five, Tua Tagovailoa. Touching on two of the more interesting names on this list, we have Dak Prescott, who you kind of pointed out was a prime candidate for being the most traded player in fantasy football, given of course he's been injured for a while, people know what Dak has been in past seasons currently the quarterback 38 on the year in terms of points per game played he didn't have a great fantasy output in his return against the lions and of course exited the game early against the buccaneers which has limited his points produced on the year is dak prescott a trade for or trade away candidate
1: so dak is perfect because he's very very similar to deandre hopkins right we said if you held deandre hopkins through his entire suspension and he comes back and has this great game this is the time to sell him, right? Well, you're in the opposite situation with Dak. You held him throughout this entire injury. He comes back and he has a dud of a game. You probably don't want to sell him, right? Because that is selling him at his his basement. But if you are in the market for a quarterback, this is like your eyes are lighting up. This is the perfect opportunity. Dak can be a top ten quarterback when he's given that opportunity when he's healthy. So like that's why he, I see him on this list is people are going and they're making offers for him because it's probably the cheapest that Dak Prescott is ever going to be. And owners who held him might be panicking a little bit saying, I held this dude. I kept him on my bench. If you don't have an IR spot and he came back and give me 12 points. This is when that wasn't what I wanted. He played the Lions. He should have put up 35 points. Dak is washed. And that's what you're hoping to capitalize on here. And I think that's probably what happened in a lot of leagues.
0: So just for fantasy football purposes, your fantasy team only, not real NFL, you taking Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush to quarterback your franchise?
1: It you obviously have to take Dak here. It's it's not close. Cooper Rush is fine, but if if Dak was putting up the numbers that Cooper was putting up through his games, then we would be having a riot in Dallas and people would be like, Bench Dak, bench Dak, bench Dak, but because cooper over exceeded expectations people were like he's great he's awesome but dak has that that extra gear that cooper doesn't have where dak can put up 35 points on an opponent and in the playoffs you might need that so you got to roll with dak
0: how many more games below 15 fantasy points can dak put out before people start calling for cooper rush to quarterback the cowboys again
1: well he gets he gets chicago next week which is a good good matchup so you're hoping for a good output there and then he has a bye week if he doesn't If he comes off the bye week still looking rusty, I would be concerned.
0: The next quarterback is someone who is in literally the exact opposite position as Dak Prescott, and that's Geno Smith, a guy who came into the season as a potential backup to Drew Locke and then steps into the starting quarterback role for the Seattle Seahawks where he looked like a star for the first few weeks of the season and people were really, really expecting him to burn out after about week three or week four. But he's just continued. He's had one kind of lackluster week, but overall he's the quarterback seven on the year as I mentioned before when it comes to points per game. He's on this list because I assume a lot of people are still expecting that crash to happen with Geno Smith. If you're currently rostering Geno, are you trying to sell him in anticipation of that crash or is Geno Smith's stock just going to go to the moon this year?
1: Gino is a really interesting one, and I think you're exactly right. He is on this list because it's Gino Smith. People do not trust him. They don't think he can keep this up, and they're trying to sell him high while they can. And I've looked a lot at Gino because I'm in need of a good super flex coming up here, and I've investigated trading for him. And it's really interesting because he hasn't really Put up a ton of like monster weeks where you'd be like oh that's why he's here he's had like one or two outliers and then it's usually like 12 points 15 points 16 points he's been like really consistent and i think it just goes to show what a weird year it's been for quarterbacks we've had so many guys underperform aaron Rodgers, tom brady russell wilson matthew stafford it and then i mean you have guys like tua who have missed games it, it's just been like a, he's been a breath of fresh air in the sense where it's like he's kind of gonna get you 12 points no matter what if he has a bad matchup he'll get you 12 if he has a good matchup he might get you 24 it's been great
0: he's kind of like the joe mixon of quarterbacks it seems like it's just there's not as much upside for quarterbacks who are not named patrick mahomes josh allen or or jalen hurts looking at a position that's probably not worth trading as much as the other ones that is the tight end position of course if you're not trading for travis kelsey or mark andrews you're probably not Going out and actively seeking a trade for a tight end unless you're in a tight end premium league i've never played in one of those so i don't know how important it is to trade for a guy like like a tj hawkinson or tyler higbee or someone in that range but the top five most traded tight ends in fantasy football this year are number one kyle pitts number two george kittle number three darren waller number four david Njoku. Number five, TJ Hawkinson. There's only one name I want to bring up on this list to discuss, and that's Kyle Pitts. Really, to me, it's dumbfounding that he's even on this list, but even more surprising that he's number one. Do you think people are still buying into the Kyle Pitts hype and think that he can be a breakout player in the back half of this season?
1: For sure they are. I mean, this guy was drafted ridiculously high. He is an absolute athlete. He's a really good player and you just really have to hope that Arthur Smith can figure out how to use this man and the upside is there. That's why people are trading for him. On the other other end, the people who drafted him are like, please take him off my roster. I don't want to drop him. I want to get something back. So they're willing to move him. But that's absolutely why some people are are going and making the deal for him is, you know, if they can scheme him, if they can get him those looks, he has like top three upside where he was drafted.
0: I'm going to ask you two questions to try to kind of help settle out or strain out my confusion number one you don't have Travis Kelsey you don't have Mark Andrews you don't have Kyle Pitts on your roster are you trading for him right now
1: personally I'm probably not I've seen a fair amount of decent tight end options available on the waiver wires Gerald Everett Hayden Hurst guys that can get you through the week and get you solid points where I'd much rather just kind of stick it through with them than going to give up pieces to go get Kyle Pitts at this point
0: I'm not trading for him either. My next question, you have Kyle Pitts on your roster. You have no other tight ends. Someone approaches you with a player like Chase Edmonds or Isaiah Pacheco or we'll say best case scenario, they're approaching you with Michael Carter right now. Are you trading away Kyle Pitts for one of those running back twos in their offense
1: I wouldn't I don't think I'd want to sit there and bank on an injury being the the pathway to these guys being healthy like Kyle Pitts is the starting tight end in his offense it's just a matter of coaching and his quarterback play maybe they'll figure that out but I'm not sitting there waiting for Mostert to get hurt and Edmonds to take over there or James Robinson not to work out Michael Carter to take over or who knows what goes on with Kansas City and their running backs. I can't really tell you an honest answer there, but I think I'd rather have like the clear pathway just being scheme versus injury.
0: I'm not trading him away in that situation either. So you're not trading for him. You're not trading him away. Why is he the most traded tight end in all of fantasy football? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me.
1: It's just, I think you you have those people who really believe that he's the next Travis Kelsey and he has that ability, he has that upside, and they're going to make a deal for him, and probably offering a little bit too much for him just because he had that really high draft pedig- pedigree, he had third round ADP if I'm not mistaken, and that's what people are expecting the return to be. So, I think you probably have some some really desperate fantasy managers or some managers who have just really deep teams and are like, eh, I could take a swing for the fences here if Pitts ends up. Taking that next step, then I'm unbeatable.
0: Yeah, I guess people have different ways of thinking, and I I can't get on that same thought train that they're having. But apparently, many fancy managers same share that sentiment that you just explained. So again, just to point out how pretty invaluable the tight end position is when it comes to trading, it's the only position of all the positions we just went through that has three number ones for their given position in the most traded, top five most traded. You have George Kittle, who's the tight end seven, David Njoku, the tight end nine, and TJ Hawkinson, the tight end three. Clearly, people are not afraid to trade away their tight end ones like they are their quarterback ones, wide receiver ones, and especially the running back ones. So I don't really think that there's much that you can gain from discussing tight end trades when it comes to fantasy football. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would agree. It just is a testament to the uncertainty of the position group as a whole, and people are willing to trade these guys because they don't believe their success is sustainable.
0: Are there any names of fantasy football players that we didn't bring up today that you think should be in the discussion for most trade fantasy football players? Or do you think that this list pretty much sums up what's going on in the fantasy community at this point in the season?
1: I don't think there's any other names I would bring up. I think you've done a really good job of highlighting a lot of guys that are, you're, you're buying them based on speculation. You're selling them based off of an inability to sustain the success they've had. You're trying to buy them low. You're trying to sell them high. This person came off of injury and looked great. This person came off suspension and looked bad. I know I had those backwards, but either way, you, you've done a really good job of kind of identifying all these different scenarios that we've talked through.
0: And the last thing I want to ask you when it comes to trading, given the fact that there aren't super, super huge names on this list, do people kind of overhype trading in fantasy football or do people go into trades not really seeking a big enough return or making big enough moves to really impact their fantasy rosters or impact their season outcomes if you're only trading the running back 27 for the running back 21 is that enough to change your season or do people need to start swinging bigger
1: you can do a lot by swinging bigger and i think the reason why we don't see a lot of that is just it's it's just harder to do people tend to be more attached to those guys because they have established value the reason why we see the lower level guys on here is because we are looking for upside when we're trying to make deals. That's how you win championships. You go and you make a trade for maybe a guy like Kyle Pitts, who is dirt cheap right now. He takes over the season and wins you the league, right? This fairy tale that you're imagining. And that's what a lot of people are doing. And that's why you see guys like James Robinson on that list. You see guys like Kareem Hunt because it's they're they're pretty cheap right now. Let me go get them, because if they take over the RB1, I am locked and loaded for the rest of the year.
0: Right, so you're basically saying you're trading for those guys who you can plug into your lineup as your play of the week to look smarter than everyone else.
1: That's right, and then once they do it with consistency, you are good to go. I mean, honestly, Josh Jacobs is the perfect example. If you would have bought Josh Jacobs after a week or two, you're looking like a genius right now.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure he's been the play of the week quite a few times for, for the managers who are rostering him at this point in the season. Speaking of plays of the week, do you want to lead us into that last week's results?
1: I would love to. Last week was treated me quite nicely, but Blake, it was a little bit rougher for you for our best plays of the week. You picked Romeo Dobbs, who you have already hit on, so I will not beat a dead horse. He scored zero points, giving you the loss. You are now 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. My pick was Ezekiel Elliott, he scored two touchdowns on Sunday and brought his fantasy total to 17.70 fantasy points, which we counted as a win, I am now 3-3. So my best up for week 8 is Tyler Lockett. There is no denying that Lockett was one of this year's best late round draft picks. He's currently holding strong as the wide receiver 14 in PPR scoring, despite two back-to-back modest weeks showcasing just how dominant he was in weeks two through five. While those two duds may be letting doubt creep into fantasy manager's thoughts, don't let it. Wide receiver mate DK Metcalf suffered a knee injury on Sunday, and while the Seahawks may not be ruling him out quite yet, I personally don't think he's going to play. Making at Seattle's wide receiver one and a must start in my book. Blake, I'll pass it over to you for your best play.
0: My best play of the week is in a pretty similar situation to Tyler Lockett, and that's Jerry Judy for the Denver Broncos, who's been the wide receiver two in Denver for much of the season while Russell Wilson has been playing. And seeing that Jerry Judy was no longer handicapped by the incredibly poor quarterback performance of a bottom-tier quarterback like Russell Wilson this last week, he finally looked like a, a safe and strong fantasy performer. And Brett Rippon looked like an all-pro compared to the currently injured Mr. Unlimited. And Jerry Judy has been the direct beneficiary of that quarterback play. He led the team in targets during Rippon's first game with 11 targets, catching 8 of them. And he was able to put up a 16.6 fantasy point performance without even getting into the end zone. He's currently the comfort blanket for quarterback Brett Rippon, and that's not a bad role to fill as long as Jerry Judy continues to run the check down type of routes that puts him directly in front of Brett Rippon's line of sight. This is also given the fact that Brett Rippon is playing this week. Of course, Russell Wilson worked out for four hours on the flight over to London, so there's no guarantee that Rippon is playing when you have an absolute terminator on your team like Russell Wilson. This play of the week is, of course, given that Russell Wilson is not good to go. I would assume that Denver would probably rest Russell Wilson, but I know Wilson is not known as a quarterback who likes to sit out and give backups a chance to show him up, which I think we can all agree, even though the Broncos didn't score a touchdown, Rippon definitely didn't look disappointing compared to Russell Wilson this season. If Russell Wilson does play, hopefully he takes note of how Rippon was able to finally utilize Jerry Judy and they focus on getting Judy into space, or even better, he starts running crossing routes across the goal line, and Russell Wilson finally stops just hyper-targeting Cortland Sutton. Either way, I think Jerry Judy's a prime candidate for the best play of the week. We'll just have to see if his trip across the pond brings back a performance that's worth putting in your lineup. Let's jump into our fades of the week. Last week still didn't treat me well in this segment as well, I picked Brees Hall, and despite his season-ending injury, he was still able to hand me a loss in my fades of the week. He put up 13.2 fantasy points. I'm currently 2-1-0. That is my first loss in fades of the week. And RJ Beecher, who picked DK Metcalf in a matchup against Denver to be his fade of the week, did not play Denver, but still disappointed with a 2.2 fantasy point performance giving RJ a 2-1 and 0 record on the season. RJ, do you feel like a fraud for getting that one correct?
1: You know, the logic was sound. We'll we'll, we'll take the wins where we can get them.
0: Mhm. And uh who's DK Metcalf playing this week?
1: Uh DK Metcalf's playing no one this week cuz he's hurt. That's the answer.
0: There you go. There you go. With that, I am officially slotting in DK Metcalf as my bust of the week. Just kidding. My fate of the week is going to be a player who is playing, and that's DeAndre Swift. And I can confidently tell you that he is playing against a Miami defense who's currently the 24th easiest matchup for running backs in fantasy football, really meaning that they're the ninth toughest matchup for running backs in fantasy football. The much-awaited return of DeAndre Swift looks like it's finally here, and I don't really anticipate any kind of record-setting performance. The Lions offense has looked just absolutely horrible the past few weeks and there doesn't seem to be any answers coming from Dan Campbell and company. Of course with DeAndre Swift returning and Jamal Williams being able to shoulder a larger workload than I think people really expected him to shoulder this season they should ease DeAndre Swift back into his running back one role. He will probably be pretty involved in the passing game given the poor health of Amon Ross St. Brown even if St. Brown is good to go I think DeAndre Swift will get a good number of targets. However, Jared Goff has not looked like a quarterback that could hit a running back or a broadside of the barn or the stands if he threw it directly sideways. I think Jared Goff is really struggling and DeAndre Swift is not going to be the answer that helps him. So there will be no one mutually benefiting from anyone else on this Lions offense this week. RJ, who's your fate of the week?
1: I am going to go with a guy coming off a of bye, Mr. Darrell Henderson Jr. There is no denying that the Rams backfield has been an absolute mess so far this year, but Cam Akers' recent time away from the team has pushed Henderson into RB2 or flex territory while he owns the backfield. His last outing before the bye week was solid. He commanded 14 touches, scored a touchdown, and finished with 13.2 points. But clearly the Rams are not satisfied with Henderson. Rumors have emerged that they made a strong play for Christian McCaffrey and are just biding their time until they bring Kyron Williams into the fold. The uncertainty, combined with a date against the 49ers' incredibly strong rushing defense, has me leaving Henderson on my bench until he proves to be more trustworthy. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. We'd like to thank you all for tuning in and listening, and as always, good luck with your matchups this week.